I couldn't deal with myself. Um, There's a lot of things that was just going through my mind. And then physically, uh, I couldn't sleep, couldn't really eat, couldn't do much. I didn't want to leave the house. Have you ever really stopped to wonder what makes you, you? Why you think the way you do and feel the things you feel? This is Your Amazing Mind, and this podcast is here to help you understand why your mind is so amazing. I'm Michael Pearson, Deputy Head of Student Counselling at the University of Bristol. And what we're doing in this podcast is opening up conversations about the biggest mental health issues affecting students, young people, and everyone. In each episode, you'll hear a student's frank and thoughtful experience of a particular mental health issue. And then we'll get together with a special guest to help you realize that there are people out there that might just get what you're going through and to give you some advice to help you feel just that little bit better. Coming up, we'll be speaking with Stephanie Owens, who works for Dying Matters Charity, part of Hospice UK. She'll be talking about her own experiences of bereavement and how Dying Matters helps people through grief. But now you're about to hear from Lynn's amazing mind and the personal and emotional account of how she experienced bereavement. About two weeks into term, I lost um, my aunt, who is one of my closest family member. I couldn't really handle myself emotionally. Uh, I would try to do stuff, uh, try to get on with work, but uh, my mind was just all over the place. I would be thinking about uh, my aunt or things that I could have done or things we've done together, um, just reminiscing on memories. Uh, so the the impact sort of, it went further than just um, hearing the news and uh, the funeral. The fact that I couldn't get on with work and sort of go on with life as normal made it made my mental health a little bit worse. Uh, I kept uh, blaming myself. I didn't understand why I couldn't just move on, and I, I I was emotionally just not in a good place in terms of you know losing my aunt and then now not being able to. Um, perform as I wish and uh, being away from home uh, it was fairly difficult uh, not being with family while everything was sort of taking place back home it all happened in the span of a week where I I just woke up one day and my parents told me that your aunt's not feeling well Um, she's been admitted to the hospital uh, but it shouldn't be anything bad Um, um, so everything seemed to be fine and then a couple of days later, uh, my mom called me in the evening in the UK, which is like midnight or in the middle of the night in Malaysia. And I knew something something didn't seem right. And she told me that my aunt has passed. It was very shocking because it, it sort of came out of nowhere. And being away from home, it was difficult. I could hear everyone sort of crying through the phone. And that was exceptionally difficult. I was emotionally uh, not doing very well. Um, There was a lot of tears. I couldn't uh, focus on anything. I was already in 
two weeks into university, I had things that I needed to get done. I had a lot of responsibilities that I needed to get done. Uh, I couldn't fulfill any of my uh, responsibilities, my tasks. I couldn't deal with myself. Um, There's a lot of things that was just going through my mind. And then physically, uh, I couldn't sleep, couldn't really eat, couldn't do much. I didn't want to leave the house. So after I've been told about the news, uh, I had to attend the funeral and the wake service, and I attended it virtually. And it was very difficult, uh, needless to say. I think one, one of the most like difficult time during the funeral was when my family basically um, asked me whether whether I want to give sort of my last, pay my res- last respects to my aunt. And usually what happens is you walk up to the coffin and you, uh, you say a few words or you put a flower on, on, on the coffin and, you, and, and then you walk away. Because I was not physically there, they just, they, they just pointed the camera at it. And I think that was that picture um, stayed very vividly in my mind. And um, it's, it sometimes <laughs> pops up in my sleep. It's not something that's very great. I think one of the biggest difference that I felt as an international student was just not having the support of my family. Whilst uh, my, my family gathered together to grieve together, um, I was sort of alone here. So whilst they had sort of the support system, uh, they had each other, I was sort of just left alone and I didn't feel like I should be grieving. I felt like I should be just getting on with life. Um, so I think I sort of lost that part of grieving. I think I came to terms that what happened um, was something that I couldn't just take away from me and, and just move on. It is something that I have to bring along with me as I progress. So I came to terms that, um, you know, things will not be the same, but things will be um, all right. Um, I had the support of my friends and my family who always checked in on me. Um, I also received help from uh, the well-being service, which was really helpful. And I think just speaking about it and knowing that it's normal to feel the way I am really helped me. It's on and off. Sometimes I feel completely fine. Sometimes I feel perhaps a sense of guilt or perhaps depressed. And in terms of how I would sort of overcome that, um, so I do things that I, I love doing and, and, and that's singing or talking to friends or eating. Eating's great. <laughs> uh, and talking about it really helps as well. During the wake service, people sort of come up and make speeches about um, things that they've remembered, uh, good things that they wanted to share about um, the deceased. These memories are very precious to me. They help me live um, as if she is still part of my life, no matter what. One of the good things that I really remembered was shared by my cousin. And it's a very cute story where um, he was a very young child. And, you know, uh, my aunt sort of 
brought him to the rabbit park or something like that. And he was tired from walking as a child would be. And my aunt just told him, you know, as you lift one foot, the other rests. And that's how you keep going. And during um, the period in which I was sort of um, very depressed, that was what kept me going. Joining me and Lynn, we have the Senior Communications Manager of the incredible charity Dying Matters, a charity that celebrates the loved ones we have lost and is reteaching us how to understand and talk about death in a way that is normalizing and healing. The way she talks about loss and grief is frank and refreshing. The calm and compassionate Stephanie Owens. You know, the, the typical sort of like five stages of grief that you hear about a lot just don't work for everybody. I think that's a very sort of typical model and people feel like they have to go through those stages as well. And a big part of what I do at work and another strand of work that Dying Matters does is to say that it's okay if you don't experience all of this or if you go straight to one like particularly at anniversaries or birthdays or big dates um, that come around again, that can be particularly hard. So they might feel like they've reached a stage in grief and then that day comes around and then they suddenly feel back into the depression or the anger again. Dying Matters is a campaign that's part of Hospice UK and the aim around it is to get people thinking and talking about dying, death and bereavement um, throughout their lives, uh, whatever stage of life they're at. They don't have to be terminally ill or caring for somebody that is. It's just really to normalise talking about death and dying and bereavement because it is part of life and it's somewhat seen as a taboo in society and people tend to shy away from it and they don't really deal with anything like that until it happens to them. And as a result, nobody really has the resources or knowledge to deal with that kind of difficult life circumstance. And Dying Matters is really about breaking down that taboo and breaking the stigma and really helping to support people throughout that. I mean, particularly in the UK, I think that we're not the best at really acknowledging anything like that. And, you know, it's a bit too emotional and we've got this kind of society stigma about, you know, just keep everything behind closed doors and the whole stiff upper lip thing. It's something that people tend to shy away from. And I think I come from it from a bit of a strange place, actually, because... I've always been very open about talking about death and dying and my mum's cousin was a funeral director so for me it was always kind of a, a normal thing, um, you know, a job uh, to care for somebody else's loved ones and my father was MOD River Police so a big part of his job was dealing with uh, bodies that were found, um, grew up in the West Country down Devon and Cornwall and you know, very coastal place um, and he encountered that a lot. Um, looking back on it I'm not sure like, how he managed to do that on such a regular basis but you know he told me about all of these things. 
I'd, I'd like to ask Lynn at this point and bring Lynn into the conversation about your experience as an international student and living in a different culture. And are, are there similarities or differences in terms of your culture experience of death, bereavement, grief? Yeah, I think within families, um, speaking about death is not that big of a taboo as compared to talking about it with um, the rest of society. I remember in primary school, for example, when one of our friends are absent from um, class and our teacher would tell us, oh, because they've lost someone close to them. Um, and when our friend would come back from the services and stuff and, and be back t- to class, um, everyone would sort of not want to talk about it at all. So I do think that there's um, this similar taboo and stigma in sort of my culture as well, in the Eastern side of the world, yeah. I'd like to bring Stephanie back again at this point and ask about your personal experiences. So we've spoken previously and you talked about some of your personal experiences of bereavement and death more recently. Um, Are you happy to share some of those with us? It was my father's mother, so paternal grandmother. And she had like no warning signs of being unwell at all. And my father just called me and said, oh, you know, my mum's died. And so I was 15. I was just like, what? That's sudden. And it turned out that she had an undetected heart condition. That was kind of my first experience of bereavement. My other grandmother died just before a whole set of exams. And for that one, I had a bit more time to prepare. So she'd been ill for a very long time. She was in her 80s. So it was kind of expected and in that one I got to see her body which I found like quite peaceful and cathartic um I think people have this image of seeing a body as being quite scary but it's not it's it's a person still they're just dead um there's there's nothing to be frightened about and I think that was a big part of me just dealing with it like obviously expected her to die and seeing her actually dead was just like yeah this is it I don't think that impacted on my university work at all because as I said I had been preparing mentally for that to happen um very recently and a couple months ago actually my last grandparent my father's father um died He'd broken his hip and was just in hospital for a long time and contracted COVID. And I think, obviously, it felt a bit worse because I hadn't seen my family in a year. A big part of family trips for me was that I'd go round and I'd see him and he'd have a chair and he'd always be there. And I was speaking to an uncle of mine who's also in London who was saying that, you know, it's easier to be removed from the situation because at least in London, you don't expect him to be sitting in his chair. So you could kind of put it out of your mind for a little bit. But yeah, for me, I know that when I go and see family, for that chair to be empty will be really hard. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing those experiences. And I, I want to pick up maybe some of the similarities in your experiences then. So Stephanie, you've talked about 
difficult parts of, of that experience is not being able to see or engage with your family or ha- or have that distance and and Lynn you, Lynn you've talked about a, a, a similar experience um do you want to share a little bit more about what that was like with you yeah I think I I agree with Stephanie the being away from family was difficult for me and I think now that if I do go back home to Malaysia, I think that it will hit me doubly hard, knowing that um, now I actually have to live with um, without her. And I, I do want to go back home. I was supposed to go back home this year, mainly because we were celebrating two major events. Um, both of my cousins were getting married and we're expecting everyone to be there to, you know, sort of celebrate this big day. Um, and then this bereavement happened. So it's definitely going to be different knowing that such a big part of our life, uh, someone who's always been there will not be there for such a huge event and celebration. Thanks for sharing that, Lynn. And I've also been through a similar experience. So I breathed over Christmas and again I share exactly what you've said that that challenge of not being able to connect with your family which I think is often part of processing bereavement and processing grief to be able to connect with those people around you and connect with your families in order to to move down those grief stages. Um, Stephanie I'd like to come back to you for a second and ask what are the the common experiences of people experiencing bereavement and then grief i think a big part of it is very dependent on how the death occurs um and grief is incredibly complex and everybody goes through it so very differently i mean obviously there are going to be very common themes um shock and sadness and anger some people don't really move through the stages they get stuck in one for quite a while you know every grief is valid and every grief is different and for some people it is going to be more complicated um sometimes grief doesn't even really hit you until years later or you tend to go on a bit of autopilot perhaps like you think okay that this has happened what do I do well, you plan the funeral and then sometimes the funeral happens and then you just think oh this person's not here anymore like sometimes funeral planning for some people provides that distraction and it's not until afterwards you really sort of feel that loss um particularly over the past year when people haven't had that chance to go in and say goodbye so I think particularly after COVID there's not really going to be any sort of pattern of common grief because it's changed so much it's you know there's a collective grief but I don't think that would really sort of mean anything for anybody going through it you know no as I said everybody's experience is is so unique Grief is complicated. I think that's a sum- summary of some of the stuff you've said. It is incredibly complicated. It doesn't fit a model. Um, I think you touch upon what I'd consider quite a, a Western model of, of grief and processing grief, so the stage of grief, so denial, 
anger, bargaining, uh, depression, and acceptance, which it's a fantastic model. It's very linear, though. And as you identified, most of us don't go through it in that linear fashion. And more often than not, we're all over the place in that model. And I'd also like to say, I think for other cultures as well, that that model doesn't always work. Um, so it's really important to highlight that for, for anyone that's listening and looking into that model and understanding it. And it's really helpful, but to also appreciate there are different models and different experiences of grief in different cultures and really important to hold on to that. There'll be young people, um, particularly students listening to this podcast, but also everyone and we have students that experience bereavement whilst at university or just before university, and it impacts them incredibly. What do we want to say to these individuals that might support them and help them get through this process? I think if you're supporting somebody who's grieving, just be there and listen. Um, sometimes they're going to not really want to say much at all and that's absolutely fine um Dime matters did a bit of research last year about you know what's the best or worst thing somebody could say to you after a bereavement and the result was well I'd rather somebody said something a bit awkward than just ignored it because most people would want to talk about it it's just that they are finding it hard to start that subject themselves um other people might not know what to say but I think the best thing that you can do for anybody is just listen when they want to talk and just be there and treat them no differently don't feel like you have to say anything about it at all but just remember that it's probably better to say something than nothing like being there for whoever you're supporting going through bereavement is one of the most important thing, at least personally as well. Um, and I think it's important because when you've lost someone, you feel like um, you've lost part of you, you feel empty. And it's important for someone to be there to be able to accompany you. Um, and, and to like Stephanie said, to listen to you. And it helps you feel supported. It's okay to acknowledge your own grief. Um, it might be difficult and particularly once those big dates do roll around that it might feel a little bit worse but you've got so many special memories as well you know it, it is sad that that person isn't around anymore but it gives you a chance to just kind of reflect and acknowledge and really sort of think about your own mortality because life is finite um that's certainly something that's always been in the back of my mind and is something that I've heard a lot throughout my time at Dying Matters is that you know we're all going to die and while we are still alive and able plan for ourselves and to remember and celebrate our loved ones who have died already big thanks to Lynn and Stephanie for sharing their personal stories with us. If you're affected by the issues raised in this podcast, check out the episode notes for links to relevant support. 
Some of the best ways to combat mental health issues is through conversation. So don't be afraid to talk to someone you trust. And if you know anyone that might be struggling with these issues, please share this podcast with them. This has been an 1860 production for the University of Bristol. The producer was Rowan Bishop. 